Listener Production. On today's episode of Footy Talk, David Zaharakis joins us in studio to talk through all the footy news over the last 24 hours. Can his Bombers finish on a high this Friday or will it be a disappointing finish for Brad Scott and his men? Retirements are coming through thick and fast and some big MRO news. That and so much more is all coming up on Footy Talk. Welcome back to Footy Talk, your daily dose of footy with all the latest news, interviews and analysis in the world of AFL. Abby Holmes here for your Wednesday and in studio. Again, David Zaharakis joins us. Zaka, always great to see you. Great to see you, Abby. Thanks for having me. Can you believe that we are heading into round 24? Where has this year gone? Oh, it's ridiculous. End of uh, end of August. We're almost out of winter. The depths. And, uh, you yeah, can feel it changing, air. can't you, a little yes, bit? Yes, you can. Well, it's sunny outside today, so that's it is. beautiful. Um, but yeah, it's, it is because it's only obviously... I grew up with 22 rounds and now there's 24. So it does feel like the season goes on a little bit longer, uh, which gives teams a chance to, um, yeah, win a few more games to get in the finals. But I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to the finals. Let's get stuck straight into some of the news over the last 24 hours. And I'm admitting I'm a Crows supporter, so we're going to talk about this again. You're upset. Yeah, I'm still upset. But The Age, there was an article that's come out saying the AFL are looking to bring in an eight-second delay given that score review um, system, they'll give them more time to review a questionable behind. Yep. Um, so changing it from an immediate kick in, which is probably what we needed to see in that last minute at Adelaide Oval on Saturday night. Yes. What are your thoughts on this? It's a very interesting one. Uh, the whole time throughout my career, the AFL were trying to change the game to speed up play uh, constantly. So get the ball in as quick as you can. That's why they brought the bucket um, of balls behind the goals. Players can just quickly grab it and and kick it straight out as soon as the umpire signals a point. Um, free kicks these days or or anything around the um, the 10 meter zone, all that kind of thing. It's all about speeding up play. Now they want to stop it or they're looking at potentially stopping play for eight seconds. But this uh, is purely the questionable one. So we all know, does it come down to a signal? I was just talking to producer Zoe, right? Yep. Signal, a goal. No worries. That's fine. Signal yep. behind, all good. But do we need, oh, I used Team America in the international <laughs> signal <laughs> yeah. of distress. Do we need like a give me, give me eight <laughs> seconds? <laughs> Can you do that again? Yeah, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I need Look some like help with this of one. A, uh, car sales. But <laughs> is that what worm. we need is them being like, I'm not sure about this. Give me eight seconds yeah. and we're going to review that. I think, so the goal is the easy one because obviously you've got 30 seconds and they can review every goal, which they do already. The point's a different one. I, I think Christian Petrarca brought up a great point last night about the VAR in soccer that the play continues uh, and if it might it might take the, uh, the booth 10, 20 seconds to, to figure out to stop the play. But I feel like if the play can continue uh, for that time and then if it needs to get called back, it does. I don't. I'm not a believer in stopping the play immediately right then and there because mm. um, the decision in the end could be the same as what it was because um, if you don't have reasonable doubt, um, the decision just gets the umpire's decision anyway. So I, I believe it should be that you continue the play and then like the VAR in soccer, I'm, I'm sure there's many soccer listeners out there um, that love footy as well and, and it can be a bit of a crossover there. Continue the play for a behind and if you need to stop it, then stop it because they make, might make the decision in the booth that the play doesn't need to be stopped. Yes. Okay. So well VA, to just continue the play. Don't do this eight seconds. Don't <sighs> stop the flow of the play because some teams can just quickly get the ball out and transition down the other end. Great. Another highlight, that quick transition to play. The game's not stopped, whatever. But if you need to stop it, then 
the umpire can blow the whistle. Oh, I think I just it. need to move on from that result on Saturday night. Well, it was pretty it brutal, stands. let's be honest. <laughs> let's move on. Some retirements. Yeah. They're coming through thick and fast at the moment. Your great mate, Luke Shuey, obviously last week. I think you're heading over to Perth Heading to Perth Saturday, yeah, with uh, all our school boys. I think we've got about maybe 12 of us, 10 Love or 12 that. of us heading over to Perth for, for the weekend. So we've got it in a box there. Luke's organised a box with his partner, Danny, mm. um, for us to uh, watch the game and have a few drinks with him after. Have you spoken to him since the announcement and how's he feeling about it? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, he sent a message to us boys a couple of weeks ago um, saying he was thinking about doing it uh, and um, he was just trying to get an idea of who would come over and um, to all the boys' credit, um, everyone uh, jumped on board and um, it's a long way over there. I've yes, <laughs> been there a few times back, yeah, back <laughs> and forth this year. Um, but yeah, to the credit. So he he was really um and ahhing with it, um, whether he, he was retired or not, because I mean, he loves the game, loves yeah. the club, uh, loves Perth and, it's and that whole lifestyle. A few little soft tissues and, though that have kind of hampered him over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's interesting. He had a lot of injuries early in his career, if you remember the first couple of years, and it took him a while to um, get to 50 games in his career. And then he had obviously a great patch in the middle part of his career and it's kind of, yeah, the last three years maybe his body's letting him down a little bit, calves and hamstrings and just trying to get that going. So I think the club wanted him to play another year mm. um, and keep him there and West Coast do keep their old players. They do. Maybe a bit too long. Um, but, yeah, in the end Luke called it and, um, yeah, he's uh, he's one of the greats of West Coast, I think. Certainly when you win is. a Norm Smith medal in a winning grand final, it's, uh, yeah, it's a pretty big highlight. Absolutely. Congratulations to him and his wife, Danny. They're a beautiful family. But let's yes. run through some of the, the fellas from the last 24 hours. And, and it's been a story of the journeyman um, over the last few days. So Tom yep. Hickey, he'll play his 150th this weekend. But talk about journeyman. Eagles, Saints, Suns, yeah. Swans. Um, <laughs> he has announced his retirement. Josh Bruce as well. Devastating way for him to go out 163 games with yep. GWS. Um, the Saints and the Dogs, um, ACL injury, of course, a few weeks ago. Segler, two 110 games with Collingwood, Hawthorne and Geelong. And also Tommy Jonas, Port Adelaide captain, um, 215 games. So there's some quality, quality players amongst that group. Do the Ruckman travel between clubs, don't they? They do. <laughs> Your Keeks partner. did three. Keeks, exactly. <laughs> they, um, they're real journeymen. Um, even Andrew Phillips, Essendon, yes. uh, retired. He went to three clubs too. They, um, they get around. They're, they're and, few and far between, though. The big fellas, aren't they? Well, that's the thing. There, it's a it's a rare skill to be able to have that. I mean, obviously you got the height, um, but it's a rare skill to be a, a great ruckman, and, and they do travel around. But I want to ask you: Is this retirement class one of the best ever? Oh yeah. If you look over the last couple of weeks, the amount of retirees, one, the amount of them, and the quality in it is for me, it's. Without thinking of the last maybe 20 years, just off the top of my head, it has to be one of the best drafts. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I saw on Instagram a few days ago that now, unfortunately, we've finally got a full team of retirements. So in terms of a, a 22 players that have that've stepped away, and that was a few days ago as well, let alone what's happened in the last 24 hours. But yeah, yeah you look at Trent Cochin, yep. Jack Rewalt as well. It feels um, like an end of an Chewy, era. Chewy, Nick, kind Nat. Of, it is. Yeah. It's quite sad this yeah. year, isn't it? This is all around my era, the 2007, yep. 8, 9, uh, 10. Drafts, um, and there's still a few hanging on. Um, Sloney hopefully will go again. Or is he gone? Is he hopefully yes, he go is. again? Yep, yep, go again. Tex, obviously, but there's still a few hanging around from from that class. But really, it, it does seem like it's that end of that kind of late 2000s um, draft class. It's that end of the era. On the contrary, Finney McGuinness, he signed a two year extension yesterday. A genuine tagger, somebody that yes. you can give a role and he will absolutely move heaven and earth to lock down that role. We saw what he did on Nick Dacos a few weeks ago, holding him to five disposals. Clayton Oliver on the weekend as well. 
that tagging position, you've been tagged a few times in your career. Struggle with it. (laughs) (laughs) How did you go with it? And how crucial is it for certain sides to be able to have a genuine tagger that they can deploy on the opposition's most dangerous players? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to say congratulations to Finn because – he, he would be loved by his teammates uh, to play. They, they would absolutely love putting on the jumper next to him, knowing that he goes out and does his role for the team every single week and the other midfielders can just work off that. Yeah. They probably don't really have to worry about defending too much <laughs> and, and you know you've got Finn next to you to be able to do that. So congratulations to him. But, yeah, I struggled in my career. I'll be the first to admit, um, yeah, with taggers, I hated when – a bloke would come next to me and just put his forearm into me at the start of the it's game. It's a compliment though, isn't it? It's a compliment, but then you're not getting a kick potentially. Because <laughs> um, I was an outside player on the wing, it's it's a lot easier to tag wingers, I find, outside players because um, the tag is probably going to be the best runner. Um, so Michael Barlow back in his day, Ryan Corrali uh, I had back in the day, uh, Mitch Robinson, they're just unbelievable competitors and, and great runners. Um, and they're the ones that, yeah, can run with you all day. You, you try and figure out little ways to get them, but you're not in amongst the stoppage where you can kind of work your way or you get a lot of contested footy. Uh, like the big fellas, um, Joe, um, even if someone went to him, uh, he's such a big body and, and mm-hmm. worked in the contest that it's a lot easier to, to work with the tag. But I find when you're an outside player, it's a lot harder. Um, I mean, unless you're Nick Dacos. Even. Yes. Yeah, and you can just run around like <laughs> the best in the AFL. But, yeah, I found uh, it, they were definitely hard to play on. What did you think of Simon Goodwin's comments post-game to saying this is a player that doesn't want the ball? And it, uh, if you're Sam Mitchell, <laughs> you, you're bloody happy. He's he's a best-on-ground performance, really, for being able to nullify the opposition's best, no matter how many touches you get. Yeah, exactly. I mean, footy... Uh, in certain roles isn't just about winning the footy. I mean, mm-hmm. there's 17 other players out there. So if you have one that's purely tasked to stop the opposition's best player and that's going to give you the best chance of winning a game of footy, um, that might have been a few a bit of emotional comments from Goody um, in that game, losing it. I remember when Goody was at, at Essendon as an assistant coach and he was our midfield coach that we would always speak every week if a player got off the chain who would um, – who would step up and take that role for 5, 10, 15 minutes. He hated it if an opposition player got over 30. Yeah. Um, so we would uh, look at the stats every now and then, every couple of weeks, and and sort of see who had over 30. And if we weren't performing both two ways as a midfield group, offensive and defensively, if if an opposition player got over 30. So he was always on that um, that kind of <laughs> defensive mindset um, that, yeah, it was good to not necessarily have a tagger, but to stop the opposition uh, players from getting the footy. So mm, interesting you made those comments. I think they were a little bit emotional yes. from Goody. Yeah, I think they were. At that time. A bit of emotion from Simon Goodwood. Now, yep. I'm so sorry to do this, but it would be remiss to not speak the Bombers yes. when we've got you on the show. Disgraceful, but yeah. Disgraceful. What, what did you think after that game? Because this is a side in ninth spot fighting for a finals appearance. Yep. You must have been pretty disappointed with what you saw from your old team. Yeah, I mean, the writing's been on the wall for a few weeks. I'll, uh, I'll admit, like, I went to both the West Coast game and the North Melbourne game, and you could just tell, uh, yeah, because I, I sit behind the goals, and you can you can just see the way they set up and the way they're playing. And um, the game against West Coast especially, West Coast had a, a set game plan uh, to keep the ball off them, kicking sideways, spread the ground massively, and yeah. they just didn't defend. Uh, they, they didn't have I – I don't want to say the running capacity because everyone's fit uh, mm. in AFL, but – 
they they didn't have the work ethic to to want to defend um, on such a massive ground. And West Coast should have won that game really uh, in the end if it wasn't for Langers kicking that goal. And and the same against North. Um, they just I think they're struggling massively defensively at the moment. Which the first part of the year was great. That exciting ball movement and could defend the ground. Yeah, yep. Um, and also, I mean, I mean, I know when Bragg Scott first came to the club, he basically said, if you don't chase and defend, you're not playing. Mm-hmm. So it's in, I'd love to know within that four walls what their messaging is right now around that um, because he did put everyone on notice at the start of the year that if you're not chasing and defending, you're not playing. And there's clearly players in that side who aren't chasing and defending uh, and they're still getting a game. There would have been a few players on Monday that would not have wanted to make eye contact with Brad Scott. At all. I've been in a few of those post-game uh, <laughs> reviews on a Monday and, yeah, you're, you're sitting a little bit further down in your seat. You might pick a different <laughs> spot to what you normally yeah. sit in. Uh, and, um, yeah, you don't really want to make eye contact. But, yeah, I think just a few maybe selection uh, issues over the last couple of weeks with players who just, yeah, are still probably getting a game that mm. haven't and there's – some guys performing in the VFL. I'd love to see um, Vossi um, in the VFL um, come in and play yeah. uh, up forward and and give a little bit. I mean, there's only one game left of the season. I'm not sure if they're going to pick him or not. But Well, that's just it. I was just going to ask you, if you're Brad, do you throw the magnets around this weekend, given they, you know, it would take an absolute Yeah, they're not going to make finals. Yes. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're basically two games out with their, their percentage. Yeah. I think there is a few different, like, machinations that, that <laughs> they need to win by 160 <laughs> points and, yeah, and, they, and other teams lose, lose by, by 200 <laughs> points. <laughs> yeah. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, no, I'd, I'd love them to throw them around. Uh, yeah, just to – I mean, it's only one game. Just to see where some players for next year put – Elijah in the middle, yep. um, see if he, he he's up for playing in the middle. It's only one game um, for the year. And um, as I said, put some players maybe that are playing. I mean, he's probably not going to, but I'd love to see it. Maybe put one or two players from the VFL um, up there. And um, as I said, because I know Essendon fans, I, I never read the Instagram comments when I played footy, mm-hmm. uh, but I do you read do them now. now. You're I do a now. big Instagram And I read man. them very unemotionally. <laughs> It's very easy to read it when you're not, you're not the one uh, copying it. But I, I know a lot of fans who watch VFL are uh, impressed with um, Vossi and, and they want to uh, see him. So I'd love to see him out there. At Zaka 11, hit him up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dyson Heppel as well. Great. I'd love Another this. year yep. he re-signed at Essendon. Give us a little bit of an insight as to who he is. I personally, I, I haven't had much to do with him other than game days, you know, interviews, that kind of thing. But I think he is an absolute bloody ripper. He is one of the greatest people in footy yeah. you could ever meet. And and one of the greatest people in life. He's always positive. He's a chiller as he, well. Yeah, he's he? a chill. Yeah, exactly. Um, down uh, Leon Gatherboy. And, and he uh, he honestly, it's it's nothing in life is um, too hard to achieve. And, and he's not negative. And um, everything is just... You, you, you can find some way to attack it. And any problem in life, um, he's just a positive person. He brings you up in the footy club if, you, if you're having a bad day or whatever. He'll put his arm around you. And um, that's why he was captain um, for a lot of people at the footy club because he was your mate. Uh, he was someone that you could rely on, someone that you could look up to uh, and, and look after you um, if you needed something. So for me, it's just his positivity. Mm. Um, he's just, as I said, he's one of the, he's, he's a great, been a great player for the footy club, but he's an even better person and he's an excellent person for life. And after four or five rounds, I mean, everyone was saying he's done um, this year and for him to turn that around and, and play some really good mm. footy off half back and really kind of find that role and, and nail that role for, for himself, I, I, it's an absolute credit to him that he's going on for another year. 
played all by one this year yes, as well. He's exactly, um, yeah. certainly managed to turn things around. So congratulations to you, Hep. We love the way you go about your footy. We've got to get to a quick break. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you are listening on Spotify, you know what to do. Hit the bell. Welcome back to your Wednesday edition of Footy Talk. This is a massive week, this one, heading into the final round of the home and away season. David Zaharakis still in studio and Ethan Meldrum has jumped in. Ethan, how are you going? Good. How are you, Abs? Very, good, very well. Good, and good to see you, Zachar, of course. Always good to see you, Ethan. Yeah, likewise. Now, let's quickly just run through the MRO news before we get to your three stats. Yep. Ethan, Tom McCartan, free to play. So we got that too much ban overturned at the tribunal. I'm not sure how I feel about this one. I'm wrapped for McCartan yep. because he's such a crucial part to that Sydney defence, but McAdam's got a fractured cheekbone. Yes. That, to me, is a minimum of one week, surely. Yeah, it didn't look like incidental contact. It For me, it looked like he turned his body uh, and he obviously didn't step off the line, but you could tell he, he braced for contact. Uh, well, that's what I thought anyway with the ball going past. So, for me, at least just a one-match um, ban would have been good mm. enough. But for, to go from two to zero, yes. um, that was yeah, interesting. it's a bit interesting uh, this time of the year. I reckon if that was round one, two, or three, yeah. he could have got two to three. I agree. Uh, so, yeah, it's a bit interesting that he got let off. And Eth Dre's one-match ban for rough conduct has been upheld, so he will miss that crucial, crucial game with the Cats this weekend. Yeah, big game, of course. Top eight ramifications Ooh. on the line there, so not a game you can afford to miss. And what about Tyler Sonzi in the VFL? Ooh. We've all seen that vision now. Three-week ban. It's been downgraded from five weeks. I haven't seen this. What, ha- what happened? So essentially what happened, it was a VFL game, Tyler Sonzi, and I can't remember who it was hit. Essentially, it kind of looks like he goes for like almost like a jumper punch, like punch to the collarbone, but clocks the North Melbourne opponent in the jaw <laughs> and like completely right. flattens him. Yep. Again, it was meant to be five weeks. It was downgraded. I think the impact was da- downgraded from severe to high. Yes. And it went down to three weeks. Um, they said it was okay. an intentional punch to the face. It was intentional yes. to the face. And that's only three weeks these days. Apparently. Yeah, right. An yeah. intercidental bump can get three weeks. That's, yeah, that's, a, big, that's a big band, though. We don't see too many of them, particularly, you know, floating around in the VFL no, as well. Yeah. yeah, didn't one of his teammates, Ryan Mansell, get three weeks for a bump about mid-year? Oh. That's exactly. what I mean, yeah. A, a punch to the face is a lot worse than the, uh, yeah. The boys were up in arms on 360 last night about that. But, Eith, what do you got for us? Your three stats. Um, I've found one that will, that will I suppose, work for Essendon fans. <laughs> I, I had to, yeah, I had thanks, to go to, like, <laughs> sorry, Zacha. <laughs> I had to go to, like, the deep depths of, like, you know, all sorts of champion data and whatever. Um, Nick Hind, I want to talk about. Yep. He, his last four weeks, he's been a little bit up and down this um, year. He's run off half back in the last four weeks. So he's really found his groove once again. Of course, he's struggled a little bit this year. He's played a little bit mm. forward. Hasn't really found much of the footy down back. His last four weeks, averaging 26 disposals, leading the league in running bounces, uh, third in the league for effective kicks, third for uncontested possessions. His last four weeks, he's gone 23 disposals, 31, 23, and 28. They're his four highest returns of mm. the season. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, yes, the ball's been back there a little bit, and it's kind of favoured him a little yep. bit, Zaka. <laughs> I think he he can be – he's the one person who I think Essendon fans can kind of latch onto. And, you know, I suppose, you know, the recent run of former side – He's been really fantastic over the last few. Yeah, definitely. I think for Bomber fans, when they think of Nick Hine, it's the exciting running, attacking mm-hmm. bounces from half back, kicking it inside 50, 
Sometimes it can go a little bit astray. He runs left, right. He, not all <laughs> his bounces actually come back to him every now and then. He can also fall over his feet because uh, he goes too quick. Come on, um, give the man some no, credit. No, but, but you take you take that when <laughs> yeah. you've got the exciting um, Nick Hind, uh, 70, 80, 90 metre plays. Yeah. And mm. for me, he's been, yeah, it almost looked like he fell out of favour um, with Scotty early in the year. And he's been the sub a couple of times. And to now come on the last four weeks and, and uh, as you said, really play good footy and probably be in the shining light, really, in a, in a poor side over the last four weeks. It's because um, a few other backs have dropped off a little bit from their form early in the year and um, he's uh, he's come in and, and performed his role really well. And it's a credit to him because he would have been sitting back at probably around 10 or 11 going, where am I actually mm. at with this footy club right now? When yeah. you lost McKenna and you lost Saad, like he really stepped up, didn't he? Yep. Yeah, his, his 2021 and 2022 yeah. season were really good. And, yeah, as I said, this year it would have been, yeah, I guess I guess the coaches had a different path uh, with who they wanted to play at, at the start of the year. But then for him to come in, hopefully then this sets him up for, to have a big year next year yeah. with the confidence of four and hopefully now five great games. Yeah, agreed. And getting him for a, what, it was like a 10-pick upgrade from the Saints three years ago. Like, I think even then, just so far so far yep. ahead on that trade, the Bombers. Yep. Uh, the Pies, of course, we have to talk about. And their numbers, particularly over the last four weeks, just really aren't flattering Ooh. to them. Mm. And it starts from their That's midfield. Scary. It, it, yeah. it is scary. They're one and three from their last four, and it's not it's not by coincidence either. Their midfield numbers have just plummeted. <sighs> so contested ball, they've gone from six in the competition over rounds one to 19 to now now 17th, they're only ahead of North Melbourne, who are on a 20-game losing streak. Clearances, oh 7th to 16th. Ground ball, they're 17th. Hard ball, they're 18th. A lot of their players have dropped off. Uh, we're talking, like, it's only really Scott Pendlebury's player ratings have increased yep. in the midfield in the last sort of four weeks. He's up 22%. Uh, Josh Dacos is up 7% in terms of player ratings over the last four weeks. But then you look at the other side, like, still side bottom. Yes, he's had a couple of injury concerns. He's down 46%. Taylor Adams is down 44%. Tom Mitchell is down 32%. It's just a real, you know, it feels like it's across the board almost that, you know, Collingwood's numbers are Collingwood's numbers are just not firing. This is really concerning, isn't it? Because this is the time of year that you need to be hitting their straps and their last month, Zaka, has not been convincing. Yeah, I was watching the game the other night and um, talking to a housemate about it. It's so interesting that you've got Tay Adams, Tom Mitchell, and even to go in, I know he didn't play on the weekend, but you've got three bulls that are contested beasts in there and they're not performing to the level that they have in the past and early on in the season. You wonder kind of what's happened. You normally see maybe one player drop off and the rest kind of lift them and, and if they're out of form, they can come back mm-hmm. in uh, into some good form. But to have three to four guys who are really dropping off, especially in the area that they ex- excel at and exceed at, and their centre bounce clearances, like you said, has completely gone. Well, I remember against Hawthorne, they got absolutely smashed that game. It was like mm-hmm. 18 to three or yeah, something like that. They lost, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's amazing that that's, that's their strength, um, those type of players, and they're then hurting then the rest. Because obviously now with 666, the, the game starts in the middle and they've really got to turn around. Because you're not going to win finals playing that way, mm-hmm. um, especially against a, a good side like Melbourne if they get them first week. Uh, you're not going to win that game at all. And they, they those players in particular uh, need to find – their form, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. Friday night is massive, ETH. We understand that there's still some personnel missing from this Collingwood side, but on the eve of finals, they really want to hit their strap. Yeah, agreed. And there's one other sort of intangible that I think that they can turn around that they just haven't had in the last four weeks, and that's pressure. Remember when Collingwood were oh, the unbeatable yep. final yes. quarter team? They, you know, it could, wouldn't matter how far behind yep. or, or how far ahead you were, I should say, at three-quarter time, and Collingwood would just run over the top of you. Collingwood's pressure rating in last quarters, in the last four weeks, it was third in the competition. It is now 17th. Only Geelong, <laughs> whose season is over, yep. 
are ahead of them. Their pressure rating in last quarters at the moment is 165. They were only 12 points down at three-quarter time against the Lions. Mm. They, they conceded five goals. They've conceded 20 or more points in all of their last seven final yep. quarters of the season. That wave running, that sort of like you, you know, the thing you'd almost count on yep. from Collingwood for the last sort of 18 months hasn't been there in the last four weeks. Does it take a toll playing that way for the first 18, 19 rounds? Oh, I think it does, yep. certainly. But yeah, that's your brand. You know, you've got to be able to bring that week in, week out, and particularly, as I said, at the most important time of year. So that I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that Craig McRae has their their pressure factor front and centre on a whiteboard yeah. this weekend to say, if anybody wearing the red and black touches the ball, you absolutely smash them and, and we get the ball going our way. It's interesting. Like Herdy always used to say when he coached, it's the team that plays the best footy after round 10. Yeah. It'll usually win a flag. And they're... Collingwood and Port Adelaide are Port, obviously a good win on the weekend, but they're trending in that wrong direction where they played their best footy from rounds one to 15. And yeah. teams like Sydney, Carlton are now playing their best footy <laughs> the latter part of the year. And, and Carlton, are, their stats are probably going through the roof at, at the moment in these areas because um, they've, they've yeah, had a, a cruisy start to the year and had a lull, but then they've come out of that. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can actually turn it around because fatigue would play a factor. Injuries now, it only takes one or two injuries and Carlton, oh, sorry, Collingwood were pretty good in that area and now yeah. they've copped a fair bit. Uh, and then you have the continuity challenges coming back from players coming back from injury. So they're in a bit of strife, but I mean, they've got the talent there to turn it around, but it's whether you actually can in enough time to win. They've got to win two finals to be able to obviously have a chance to play in a granny, but to be able to do that, are they going to turn around in that in that amount of time is going to be a question. Defensively as well. They've conceded 100-plus points the last three weeks in a row. Yeah, 105 points per game over the last three. And this is a side that in the first 12 rounds were near on impossible to score against. Yep. Mm. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. They've gone from first to 18th in the competition. It was 68. It's now 105. Oh, dear. It's, that's, yeah. That's and and fatigue, defence is very much – It's obviously it's an attitude and, and fatigue and – being able to make the ground a lot smaller when, and like you said, the pressure rating to be able to, you know, they might be missing contests by half a meter or, or a meter to get there to either smother or tackle or put pressure on. And, and that's a massive difference in footy and whether that is a, a fatigue is a factor because they were so good early in the year. Hopefully the buy could maybe yeah. reset them. I mean, I'm not a fan of the buy, but the buy for them actually might be really good. They get maybe one or two players back, they freshen up, and they can really be a salt for the, the sorry, prepare a salt for the final four weeks. I have faith. I think Craig McRae is an absolute magician. This is one I haven't worded you up for deliberately. Did you word me up for the first two? No, I didn't. <laughs> we normally do. We normally we, we're normally much better with prep on this show. Hit me with it. So I'm, I, we talked about Adelaide off the top, or you guys talked about Adelaide off the top and their results in close games this year. I'm big, I'm big on this because there's often a trend that if you lose a lot of close games one year, you win, you know, you, know, you tend to get those wins back the next year. Look at Port Adelaide last year. They were, I think they were two and six in close games and then shot up the ladder. And, you know, the inverse has also happened this year. Yep. Like they've been, you know, quite lucky or, you know, they've won a lot of close games this year. Here's the ladder if all games under a goal were flipped. So right now it's great. Bri- Sorry, Abs. It's a great it's, stat. It, it, it's a good little stat. So Brisbane on top, they're 15 and 7. Melbourne and Collingwood, 14 and 8. Level with Adelaide, mm. who would be fourth on top the ladder four. if they went 5 and 1 in all of those games decided by <laughs> under a goal instead of 1 and 5. If maybe the umpire had spotted the Ben Keys and kicked the goal instead of hit the post. St Kilda also fifth on the ladder. Port Adelaide down to sixth. Bulldogs seventh. Carlton eighth. Geelong down to 12th. Sydney down to 13th. Sydney have won a lot of close games. Mm-hmm. I think 
like not only like that's not a what could have been for Adelaide. That shouldn't. I don't think it should be interpreted that way. Abs. It's a that's how good they are, yep. or at least yep. how good they have the potential to be, yep. and possibly where they should be looking next year. And we need to remember, right? So Crows have played Collingwood twice yep. this year, lost mm. by a combined yeah. total of three points, and that was when Collingwood were humming yes. too. Yeah. Yep. So I'm very very excited about Maddie Nix and this yep. team and what he's doing in in the four walls of the Adelaide Football Club. They should be f- playing finals. Uh, I'm just going to sneak that one in there. They've got West Coast this <laughs> well, week. Exa- yeah. But it, you're exactly right. They've pushed all of the top sides. They pushed Brisbane. They've pushed Melbourne. They've pushed Collingwood. So I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that over the next kind of two, three years, they will be in that top four spot. Yeah. They're an exciting team to watch. Yeah, when and, you watch them, and as you said, all five of those losses by under a goal are to top eight sides. It's mm. yeah, it's Melbourne twice, it's Brisbane, it's Sydney, it's Collingwood. Well, the good thing for them, I think, with the fixture next year, if they finish twelfth or thirteenth, they'll have a favourable fixture. They won't be playing too many sides in the top four, if I'm correct, yeah. with how the AFL structure the fixture. And so, I think the AFL might have to look after them after. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> play West Coast twice, yeah. play North, play North twice, twice. Yeah. maybe. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm re- very bullish on Adelaide Stocks in 2024 because you're right, they are a great team and. When you are losing games by that close, it's, I mean, it's, if it's a kick in it, like you're either going into a review on a Monday morning, positive or, or negative, mm. but I'm sure they're going into most of their reviews pretty happy with the way they're playing uh, at the moment because they are just losing close games, but they're good enough to win most games. And usually sides like them that are developing and coming up, but next year, like you said, they'll, they'll flip most of those results. That's a nice little positive note to finish on. We will rebuild. We will play finals in 2024. It's not all doom and gloom. It's not all doom and gloom for Adelaide. Thank you, E. Thank you, Zaka. Good to see you. You guys have been awesome as per usual. You have been listening to Footy Talk. If you have a question for us, get us on Instagram at footytalk underscore pod or you can also hit us up at TikTok at footytalkpod. Tomorrow you've got Dale Thomas and Jack Chris. See you then. Listener.